0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Special revelation is absolutely necessary if we are going to know God in a personal manner. If we are going to understand what God requires of us, if we're going to know whether or not He actually loves us individually, those kinds of things, they can only come to us through special revelation. The Bible is that special revelation.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in a message titled, And God Said. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said. Let's stop it right there. Thus far in our study in Genesis, we have been looking at the subject of God himself. We have considered the existence of nature, and the attributes of God. Although much more time could be spent studying the nature and the attributes of God, I want to turn to another vitally important and foundational subject, and that is the subject of the Word of God. It is our belief as Christians that God has spoken and that he has spoken in an intelligible manner. The belief that God has spoken is rational and actually anticipated if you begin with a God who is personal. And of course, as we considered the nature and the attributes of God, we see that God is personal. So this is where we begin. And I wanted to just lay this this final foundational stone, if you will, as we enter into the study of Genesis. But just looking at the subject of the Word of God in general. we We speak, of course, of the Bible as being the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. But in the day and age that we're living in, it's important that we understand a little bit about what that actually means you know these days it's not unfortunately it's not good enough to just simply say well you know i believe the bible is the word of god because there's so much skepticism and there's so much antagonism it really does make it necessary for us to have to know why we believe the bible is the word of god And we need to be able to some degree to articulate that to other people. And so hopefully through our study this evening, we will be able to do that as we finish up. So beginning with this whole idea that God has spoken. Now, there are two ways by which God has spoken. And one is referred to as general revelation. The other is referred to as special revelation. And we're going to look at both. General revelation, just to give you a definition, is God speaking to man through creation and providence. Special revelation is what we have in the Bible. The Bible makes the unique claim that it And it alone gives a true knowledge of God. The Bible claims to be the only inspired, inerrant, and authoritative word of God. That's a very exclusive claim. Of course, other religious systems have sacred literature. And they would also say that their books are of divine origin but we're going to see that that is definitely the biblical claim, not only that this book is of divine origin, but this book and this book alone is of divine origin. So it is a remarkable claim, a very exclusive claim, but as I hope to show you, it is a claim fully supported by the fact. So we're going to spend most of our time looking at the subject of special revelation, but let's just look real quickly at this other subject of general revelation. So general revelation is God revealing himself through creation and providence. And there are many passages in the Bible that tell us that this is one of the ways that God has revealed himself to man. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 3 is an example in the Old Testament. We read there, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So here we're told in the psalm that the heavens are speaking. The heavens are declaring to man the glory of God. Day unto day is uttering speech. Night unto night is showing forth knowledge. So through creation itself, God is speaking to people. He's letting them know that He is. We find a similar kind of a statement in the New Testament in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And there Paul said this, "...because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made." even his eternal power and divine nature, so that men are without excuse. So again here, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So in these two passages, we have a declaration concerning the the general revelation of God through creation. But then we also have passages that refer to God's providence, and through his providence, he is also speaking to men. Jesus said something to that effect in Matthew chapter five, verse 45. He said, "Your Father in heaven makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust." So providentially, as God is taking care of the affairs of the world in a natural sense, as He is providing for men. This is one of the ways that he reveals himself. And then Paul said in Acts chapter 14, the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness." So, this statement is testifying to the providential care of God. So, creation and providence are are part of this general revelation that God has given. Now, here's the thing. The most that we can know through general revelation is that God is. You see, it's, it's an insufficient revelation in the sense that all we can really know in the end is that there is a God. We can know there is a God. We can know that he is powerful. We can know that he is wise. And to some degree, we can know that he is loving and benevolent. But you see, I can't really know all the things that I, that I need to know through general revelation. What I cannot know through general revelation is whether or not I can know this God personally, or what I must do to obtain his favor, or if his love extends to me as an individual, or what if anything lies beyond this life, nor can I know anything final on the darker side of the things that I observe or experience in this world. So you see, general revelation, although it's helpful in one sense, it doesn't give me sufficient understanding to fulfill me, and to bring me into a place of actually having a relationship with this God. And this is where special revelation comes in. So special revelation is absolutely necessary if we are going to know God in a personal manner, if we are going to understand what God requires of us, if we're going to know whether or not he actually loves us individually, Those kinds of things, they can only come to us through special revelation. So as I've already said, the Bible is that special revelation. But that's the case for us today and and has been for a very, very long time. But if you go back far enough in history, you find that there were various connotations to special revelation depending on where you happen to be in history. Now, of course, in the earliest stages of history, they didn't have the Bible, did they? So how did God let them know that he was more than just an all-powerful creator and the one who took care of the natural processes and things like that? Well, there were a variety of ways in which God revealed himself. And in the earliest stages of human history, he revealed himself through direct speech and what we call theophanies. Now, a theophany is an appearance of God in human form. And when we're there in the earliest stages of history, which we will be looking at the further we get into Genesis, we're going to find that God is speaking directly in some cases. He speaks directly to Adam and Eve. He speaks directly to Cain. He speaks directly to Noah. But then as we go further on in the history, we're going to find that the Lord will appear in human form to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. And then as we follow on through the history, we find that God is Is giving this special revelation in various ways. Sometimes it's in visions and dreams. We think of the story of Joseph, or we think of the experiences of Daniel. And then, of course, there were the prophets who would come, and they were God's spokespersons, and they would bring that special revelation. Finally, we come to the Incarnation. Finally, we come to that point where God becomes a man and reveals his will directly to men. Therefore, for all of those living after the apostolic age, special revelation means only one thing, and that is the Bible. And so that's where we are today. When we're talking about special revelation, we're talking about Bible, and let me state it again, that the Bible alone is God's special revelation to man, and that it is inspired, inerrant, and authoritative. Now, what do those terms mean? What, What are we talking about? We talk about the inspired Word of God. We use the term, the inerrant Word of God. That's a little bit more of a technical theological term that is not used all that often outside of theological dialogue, but it's a very, very important term. And then, of course, authoritative is pretty self-explanatory, but let's look at each one of these and see exactly what it means. What do we mean when we say the Bible is the inspired Word of God? Well, before we see what we do mean, let's look at what we don't mean. Inspired doesn't mean inspiring, although the Bible is inspiring. Of course, through reading the Bible, people have been inspired to many wonderful things. People have been inspired to a life of self-sacrifice. People have been inspired to noble pursuits and, and things of that nature. But when we talk about the Bible being inspired, we're not talking about this other thing of the Bible inspiring us to certain things. Nor are we talking about the writers being inspired in a sense similar to great poets or authors or composers. Now, why do I bring these things up? I bring these things up because some people have said, well, you know, biblical inspiration just means the Bible's inspiring. No, that's not what it means. Some people have said, well, you know, the Bible's inspired much like a, a symphony is inspired or, or much like a great poem. And the poet, you know, he had a, a moment of inspiration came upon him and he wrote this beautiful poem. And oh, when I read that poetry, it just touches my heart and the whole thing is also uh, inspiring. But that is not what we are talking about when we use the term inspired. What we are talking about is this, and the proper term is verbal inspiration. We believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible, and what does that mean? It means that the writers were controlled by the Holy Spirit in such a way that they wrote not their own thoughts, but God's thoughts, not even in their own words, but in God's words. So when we're talking about the inspiration of the scriptures, what we are saying is that this book is God's book. Even though he used human instrumentation to communicate, these words and these thoughts are not the words and thoughts of men. Peter put it beautifully. He said it this way. He said, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved or literally carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells us that Scripture did not originate with man. You see, contrary to the belief of some today, the Bible isn't a collection of thoughts about God by various men in history. That's not what the Bible is. That's not what the Bible claims to be. It claims to be the very words of God. Paul put it this way. He said, all Scripture is God-breathed. We, we read all Scripture is given by inspiration of God in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. But really, literally, it is all Scripture is God-breathed. So all of Scripture, from Genesis 1-1 to the very last verse of Revelation, is the inspired Word of God. Secondly, the Scriptures are inerrant. And what inerrant means simply is without error. So inerrancy means that when all the facts are known, the Bible will prove itself to be without error in all matters that it covers, not only matters theological and moral, but also matters historical, geographical, and scientific. The inerrancy of Scripture means that Scripture does not affirm anything that is contrary to fact. Now, here's an important thing to understand about inerrancy. As as I mentioned here, when we say the Bible is inerrant... We're not simply saying that it speaks accurately about things theologically and morally. We are saying that, of course. But what we are saying is that the Bible speaks accurately about everything that it addresses. It is historically accurate, it is geographically accurate, and it is scientifically accurate. And there's plenty of evidence to support those claims. Now, we're living in a climate when people are challenging the the statements of Scripture regarding not only theological issues, but especially moral issues. So is the Bible accurate when it speaks regarding morality? Can we trust that what the Bible said so many centuries ago about human sexuality and things of that nature, can we trust that that is still relevant, applicable, and true today? Absolutely, we can. That's what inerrancy means, that the Bible is without error in all that it deals with. And then thirdly, and of course, this would naturally follow, we believe the Bible to be authoritative. And what this simply means is that the Bible is the final word for faith and practice among individual Christians as well as for the church collectively. So the Bible is authoritative. In other words, we take our commands from this book. God speaks to us, and he tells us through this book how we are to practice our faith individually and for us also collectively. Now, as some of you know, some of you might not be as aware of this fact, we are in a huge battle for the Bible. We have been for a long, long time, But it's becoming more and more intense, it seems, you know, almost with each passing day. And the battle is not only raging outside of the church, but much of the battle is going on right inside of the church. And we see today within the church itself, we see people challenging the authority of the Bible, questioning the inerrancy of the Bible denying the inspiration of the Bible. But this is what we need to realize. This is what we need to understand that the Bible itself does indeed claim inspiration, inerrancy, and ultimately final authority. So it comes down to this, really, do I believe what the Bible says on these issues? So let's look real quickly at the biblical claim to inspiration. I mentioned it already 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. And if you haven't ever looked at this verse or if you haven't underlined it in your Bible, it is definitely a verse that you want to underline, you want to commit it to memory, and it says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, believe it or not, some people say, and I've had people tell me this, the Bible doesn't really claim to be inspired. Well, evidently they have not read this passage, because that is certainly what it is claiming. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, of course, Paul is a Jew. He's he's writing in that context, you know, his, his background as a Jew. Scripture meant one thing and one thing only to the Jews. It meant those sacred books that they had that had been handed down from Moses all the way down to the prophets. Everybody was clear about what the scriptures were. And then, of course, added to the Old Testament revelation, the New Testament also Began to develop at this time, and so the New Testament would be included. But it is a very straightforward statement that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, we have good arguments to support the biblical claim to divine inspiration, but not only do we have arguments to support the claim. The Bible itself has built-in evidence that the claim is accurate. And so let's first of all look at some of the arguments in support of divine inspiration. Now, these things don't prove divine inspiration, but they, they bolster the case, and they also clear up a lot of confusion and misconception that people have about the Bible. So I wanna give you four things that support the biblical claim to divine inspiration things that that support you look at that claim and then you bring these other things alongside of it and you see okay yeah these things lend themselves to the biblical claim
0: the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history by John Dixon. Would the world be better off without religion? Does religion really poison everything? Many people today believe the world would indeed be better off without religion, and Christianity would be at the top of the list for most. In his book, Bullies and Saints, John Dixon considers these questions through the lens of Christian history. He examines the different periods of the Christian church from its founding in antiquity, to the Middle Ages, the 20th century, and what we can learn from history today. This book will challenge your thinking about the Christian church that is worse and better than you ever imagined. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443, or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history by John Dixon. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.